everybody, and welcome back to Opera Off the Stage. I'm Jesse, And I'm Michelle. And today we are going to be talking all about monologues. It's always a bit of a surprise when an audition asks for a monologue, especially if you're an opera singer, because it's just not super common, but it's becoming more and more common as opera companies add musicals to their rep and add more modern opera, which includes spoken dialogue. So it's very good for you to have something prepared, but there are a lot of mistakes that I see people making when they pick their monologues. So we're going to go through a couple of the pitfalls and give you some advice on finding a really solid monologue. But before we hop into that, we've got a couple of announcements. All right, guys, our social media guide is available to purchase on our website. Also, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you get those included in your monthly subscription. So you have access to both of those for only $7, which is pretty much a mega steals. If you're still waffling on whether or not you're ready to commit to a Patreon subscription, it is worth doing it just for those worksheets because they are really high quality. We spend a lot of time on them and the $7 is an incredible deal. So go check it out. Absolutely. And also, did you know that we release two mini-sodes on our Patreon a month? They're really funny. If you guys like listening to Jesse and I argue about really bad food opinions that Jesse has or uh, excuse <laughs> or us casting silly operas or just honestly talking about silly and educational topics our minisodes are a blast so definitely check out our patreon you guys also we are now joining the world of YouTube this coming Friday. Yay! Hooray! This is something that we've been wanting to do for a really, really long time. We have a lot of content planned and filmed, and we cannot wait to share it with you guys. So you guys can find us on YouTube at Opera Offstage. Like I said, our first video comes out this Friday where we're kind of doing a little Q&A introduction because our community has gotten pretty big, and we don't know all of you guys personally so it's a good chance to get to know us and laugh at the silly things that we always seem to say yeah and then we've also got our ig live this month and this month we are going to do something similar to our spooky episode where we're going to have you guys pitch horror movies as operas so if you've got a great idea for any any horror movie anything that fits into that genre as it would be on stage or pitch your bad horror movies as operas we'd love to hear them if you need some ideas you can go back to our spooky episode from the first week of october where we pitched jaws and we pitched get out oh my gosh but go ahead go and check that out and then when you're ready send us a dm on instagram and we'll send you the zoom code and the time for the Instagram Live. You guys, I think about Jaws the Opera on a daily basis. <laughs> Left shark. I think that that's my greatest contribution to this podcast. Just truly a stroke <laughs> of genius. <laughs> oh, uh, oh my goodness. And our one other big announcement is that we are also not only joining the world of YouTube, but we are now officially live on TikTok as well. So once again, if you want to... S- see us acting like fools check us out on <laughs> on tiktok you can find us at opera off stage as always and if you guys are listening to us in the apple podcast app do us a favor swipe up leave us a little rating and review it really helps us helps new people find us if you're on spotify make sure that you're subscribed share it with your friends and yeah we have a good time don't we oh yeah i filming tiktoks was so funny because tiktok is a ton of fun i'm not gonna deny that at all I've had a lot of... Michelle actually roped me into TikTok back in October of last year, just so she could send me funny videos. But also, I think there is a thing about being like in our mid-20s and being on there that's very much like, hello, fellow kids. Truly, my 13-year-old <laughs> sister like has a bunch of followers on TikTok, and I'm like, hello, youths. <laughs> nice oh, to so meet fun, you. 
<laughs> it's, it's so, so worth it. It's so fun. And honestly, like, listen, y'all, I was super against TikTok for ages. I was like, you will not it's catch no me vine. on that. There's, yeah, I was like, there's no way I will ever make a TikTok. And you guys, I did it to be ironic. And I've been addicted ever since. It truly and is. And then she's been such gathering other people into her addiction. I truly, I like anytime I talk to one of my friends that don't have a TikTok, I'm like, you're going to make a TikTok so I can send you funny videos or what? <laughs> uh, also, there's a lot of classical music videos. Just like, you might not think that, but there's actually so much content for us as classical musicians. That's absolutely hilarious. So cooking, design, music, there's so much. There's actually a ton of really good content on there. Wow. We're not even sponsored by TikTok. You just got to get the algorithm to learn who you are first because you will run into other things too. (laughs) Anyway, monologues. Yeah. So monologues, you know, Once again, kind of one of those things that's very mixed into all the other classes that we take in music school. I've never had to do really a monologue within a young artist program before. It's just kind of interesting. It's something that's really just thrown into if you get the opportunity to take an acting class, you know, but I can't ever think of a time that I've had to do a monologue outside of an audition in school. You know what I mean? Like I've never had to workshop it for any music or performance course. Have you? I don't think so. I took I specifically took acting classes in order to get some more experience with monologues and everything while I was in school. But I don't think I've ever had to, I don't think I've ever had them really in music classes. Yeah, I've only ever had to workshop them in acting classes. Yeah, but I do remember very specifically when I was auditioning for grad school, there was a school that asked for it. <laughs> I remember being like, "Oh, uh-oh." Honestly, sometimes when I look at like small young artist programs or like competitions or like random things on, you know, as I'm scrolling through the, you know, abyss that is Yap Tracker. Yap Tracker. Um, yeah. <laughs> I will like be reading through a listing and be like, oh, yeah, you know, like I could probably sing a role in this opera or, or you know, maybe I could get to this round in this competition. Let's do it. And then this is in the past before I had a package of monologues. If I saw that they required a monologue, I'd be like, Bye. <laughs> I don't know if you ever did that, but I was like, no way. Uh-uh. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, the thing about it is once you've tried, if you've ever tried to learn a monologue really quickly for something, you've learned that that is a terrible idea. And so when you run into those and, like, the deadline is upcoming, you're just like, well, the- there's no way. <laughs> there's just no way. Also, that's never something that we record when we're making audition recordings. You know what I mean? Oh, my gosh. It- and so it's like... There's no way. You think it's hard to watch yourself sing. Watch yourself do a monologue in front of a camera. The pain. (gasps) Yeah. But you should. (laughs) Yeah, you should. And you should do it while you're like doing your audition recording so that it's still like nice quality instead of just like in your bedroom after you've been crying about how you have to record a monologue, you know. On the face cam on your phone. Um, Oh my God. (laughs) Full MySpace style. Yeah. Yeah. But the point is, like, monologues really throw us for a loop when they pop up. And it's always better, especially now while we're in this weird break period, to go ahead and just have a couple that you're very comfortable with. Because it'll save you so much time and so much pain in the future when you do inevitably run up on these things. These are one of those things that aren't necessarily in every audition package and won't be all useful all the time. But always having one on hand will make you, it'll just give you a little bit of a leg up. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first thing we really have to cover is where do you look for good monologues? Because if you're not a person who spends a lot of time watching theater or reading theater, it's going to be a little trickier than you think. I would say that the golden rule 
that I've heard from acting directors and like fellow acting students and just personal experience is that anything you find written by some random person on Google is probably not in your best interest, probably not going to land you the role. There are a lot of monologues. There are a lot of like random writers who just publish monologues that aren't necessarily from plays. They're just like little pieces. And there's usually not enough context for you to really draw out a character. And you're kind of guessing like if they're not a genuine librettist or playwright, Eh, this is just somebody's musings and while you I'm sure you could find some good writings we've all been in that position where we realize or have put off recording or finding a monologue for an audition we're like I just need something I don't have time to go to the library or look through an anthology like I just need to memorize something quickly and get this recording done and we've turned to google and you know it is a big yikes fest so golden rule yeah Stay away from Google as much as possible. Yeah, because the other problem with Google is even if you can find like reputable people giving suggestions on different monologues, the chances are that everyone else has also Googled that. So you can save yourself a little bit of time and trouble by not necessarily going to the first couple sources on Google. So yeah, it's not the best to choose Google as your first and primary source. The other place a lot of people go right off the bat is anthologies because they're really easy to find in your school libraries. However, they're also not necessarily the best choice because you're missing the context of the play itself. And once again, the stuff that can be in anthologies is wild. Truly. Yeah, truly balls to the walls. So anthologies are a really good place to start off with. And you know what anthologies are actually fabulous for is even if you find monologues that you are like, oh, everybody does this or I'm just not really vibing with any of those. Take the playwrights, take the librettists. Google their name and see what else they've written and maybe some one of their other works or maybe a monologue from another one of their plays is a perfect fit. So even if in the anthology you're not connecting with any of them, take down names, look up the rest of the play and go from there. Yeah, you can find anthologies from like singular playwrights. Like you can find an anthology of monologues from George Bernard Shaw. Like that's a little bit better because you'll have at least a little more context for what's going on. It's a well-known playwright. And you can find a lot of good monologues in there. But, like, avoid, like, wildly disparate anthologies if you can. But you're right. You can definitely find, like, the sources of things in there and go deeper from there. Kind of like when you use Wikipedia for a report and you use the source that the person on Wikipedia used instead of sourcing Wikipedia itself. Yes. The other thing you can do is always ask your teachers. Ask a drama teacher in your school or ask your voice teacher. They've probably done it they probably suggested them before to people i would lean towards asking the theater teacher in your school if you have i mean get to know them first if you don't know them at all maybe maybe ask for a connection from one of the theater students an introduction yeah if you're taking an acting course obviously take the extra time to go during office hours and ask them you know where can i look what are some resources do you have any monologues in mind that you think would be a good fit for me just talk to them you know they love that kind of stuff they'll be happy to help you out and then of course if you're not in school and don't have access to something like that yeah asking your voice teacher surely they know or even if they don't have you know a list of monologues to recommend you they probably know a local acting teacher that they can put you in contact with as well yeah but I mean take acting lessons if you can take acting classes It can only make you better, and it's very important to make those connections with teachers because they will offer such valuable advice on things like this. Because as much as I love voice teachers and stuff, they're also going to be in the same kind of position as a lot of other music teachers if they leaned more towards the side of musical theater and opera, 
where it's always going to be better as someone who's more into straight plays and straight theater. Oh, of course. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah, ask your acting friends. A lot of them will have longer lists of monologues that they use that are going to be age appropriate because that's a big thing. So you can always talk to your friends because they actually will, since you're not, you know, competing in the same field, a lot of times they'll just share their list and their rep of monologues with you. Yeah, or they can even point you to an anthology or, you know, a play that they like that you can skim through. So, yeah, definitely take, I was going to say, take advantage of your acting friends. Don't do that. <laughs> take advantage of your friends. <laughs> Abuse your friendships for your own gain. Uh, ring your friendships dry for those monologues. Um, no, I mean, but... we'll do the same thing for our music friends. So, like, I know when my friends are like, what's a musical theater piece or something like I can sing if I'm not a big singer? Like, I have pieces that I know to hand them that are, like, easy, within range, can be kind of talked through. Totally. So we all do this for our friends. Yeah, just help each it's other okay. out. It's <laughs> okay. It's mutually beneficial. Yeah. But also go check out those Facebook groups we we always mention, the new forum for classical singers and such. Yeah, we have a lot of those Facebook groups listed out in our COVID blog on our website, opera-offstage.com. Yeah, but those are good places to go. A lot of people will also share their rep of like what monologues they think go well. And some of those people are also on the other side of the table. So they're good people to go to for information about like what monologues are people really looking for when they say comedy or when they say modern or classical. They have really good information from people who have been doing auditions a lot longer than some of us. Great place to go. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And then, honestly, the best place to get good monologues is from plays. I think that not enough of us read plays. (laughs) And it's really, really fun. And you know what I started doing back, I think, in undergrad is I'm an avid thrifter, and I love going to old bookstores and I love looking through their book section and seeing if I can find any plays and you know they're super tiny little books and even if I pick one up that isn't necessarily famous I've never heard before like just random it's a good exercise to read plays even if it's not like the highest of level of theater it's a really good exercise and you know they you could read them so quickly and you could take little notes it's a good exercise just to read librettos you know yeah no it's definitely a good idea and they're super cheap they'll be like two dollars at a thrift store and honestly like in a regular barnes and noble they're probably not that much anyway and they're probably just in an anthology so reading an entire play is definitely the best way because sometimes there will be a really famous monologue from a play and then you read the entire play and realize that a different monologue from that play is actually a better fit for you Yeah, definitely. I I think, too, you also want to have context because there might be something you read as comedic that's not or dramatic that's not. You really do. It's like when people approach Omeo Babino and they don't realize that the context there is a little girl saying, Daddy, Daddy, let me have what I want or I'll throw myself off a bridge, which you play straight but is, in fact, comedic. Like, that's why you need the full context, because if you don't, then you don't get the underlying mindset of what it is. So always read your full thing, because like I said, otherwise you're really missing out on context or on, like I said, the larger image or whether or not that character really suits you. Definitely. And then, you know, another good thing to do is if you find some and it's a well-known enough play, if you're in school, go and check out your online databases. A A lot of those subscription services that schools subscribe to have theater online that where you can watch people act out the monologue that you're going to be doing. Which, steal. 
<laughs> steal people's performances. I know that sounds awful, and I don't mean it in the very literal sense of copy their every movement, but watching a bunch of people do something, especially if it's not something you do a lot of, like that is the beginning stage of learning is copying. I mean, that's what we do with arias, right? So Yeah, it's not like <laughs> I'm going to act out my arias exactly the same as Deanna Damrau because that would be silly, but I am going to watch people's interpretations to get new ideas. And build off of that. Jesse brings own. up Deanna Damrau at every single possible moment. You know, it's actually not the person I go to because our voices aren't very similar. I actually go look at people like, oh, I used to watch a lot of Don Upshaw. Oh, classic. Yeah, Don Upshaw, and I loved watching Natalie Desay as well. So there, I have range. Um, <laughs> no, but the point being, uh, she's just always the first person who comes to mind because I always think of her Queen of the Night. I I know it's the first person that comes to your mind, but that's okay. You love. Diana, the way that I love Beverly. Yeah, Beverly sells this. So. Beverly sells that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you get my point. You you should watch people do plays. You should watch people do the acting and and copy and see if it feels good. Change what doesn't. It's a great way to start off. You should watch people do the monologues and don't let people tell you you shouldn't. Yes. So step one is looking for a good monologue. Step two is deciding on a monologue. So once you've kind of found a couple monologues that you are liking, you're experimenting with them, I would say that it's usually pretty good to have three to four monologues that cover a variety of genres, right? You want something comedic, you want something dramatic, one of them should at least be contemporary. You know, we we want some range. We want to be able to see what it is that you're capable of. And even though you're usually only doing one monologue in an audition, it's so important to have a couple monologues ready to go that you're super comfortable with so that, you know, if they're asking for a super lighthearted musical theater piece or doing something much heavier in tone, you can cater a monologue that's more appropriate to whatever they're doing that season. Yeah, I think they always kind of give you the gist of what they're looking for in a monologue. And if not, you can always look at the season they're prepping. I usually see monologues when people are doing musical theater or when they're doing something much more modern where there may be spoken dialogue. Absolutely. But I think think having, like you said, a classic, a comedy, and a drama, and at least one of those should be contemporary. I think that's the best way to play it out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and uh, of course, one of the biggest things is don't pick a character that's not in your age range don't choose a 12 year old girl or a 75 year old woman pick someone who is reasonably within the range of the character you're looking to play and and i say that because there are times where like in opera we will be playing characters who are far younger than us and for men sometimes you'll be playing characters who are far older or if you're a mezzo you may be playing a character who's far older so it's fair to say you don't have to be as strict in your age range as you would if you were auditioning for a straight play But make sure you're at least in the age range of the characters you're looking to play. Yeah, definitely. I laughed for a second because I was like, I've seen a lot of men play older characters. And then I was like, ah, poor Metzos. Oh, yeah. A sultry young woman or a 70-year-old crone. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, and then once you have a couple monologues, I would even, like, try to get maybe, like, six or seven monologues. Try them out. Experiment. You know, watch the play. Do some different read-throughs, different interpretations, and then pick your three or four. Because sometimes you'll find a monologue that you really love, that you read, and then like as soon as you try to actually work it, you're like, eh, actually, this isn't really a great fit. I don't actually connect with it as much as I expected to, and that's okay. Just toss it or keep it for later, and then just narrow it down to three or four. But definitely trying out a couple, 
I've definitely like in acting classes been given a monologue and I'm like, oh, this is so this is so not me, you know, like, okay, whatever. Got to learn it. And then I end up absolutely loving it. So try it out before you end up settling on anything. There will be things that you look at and you think this is perfect for me and it's just not going to fit right. So make sure when you are still in that search period, you do pull a couple of each of those that you think might work. Because like Michelle said, there's just the reality that sometimes we think something's going to fit really well or it's going to, you know, we're really going to be able to pull off the comedy of something and it just doesn't quite work. Yeah. So always keep your options open, especially in those early stages. And be open to the suggestions that teachers will give you, even if you're not 100% certain. Give them a, a shot, because most of these are going to be, you know, 60-second monologues. It's not going to kill you to try two or three before you settle. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But always be looking at the season. And if you're in the stage where you're like, I have no monologues right now, go ahead and look up. Go on Yap Tracker and look up some of these ones that have monologues as requirements and see what kinds of seasons they're putting on. And that'll give you a good idea of where you should be pulling from. Because, like I said, the stuff that opera houses choose is not usually that different from year to year. So you really can get a good idea of like, oh, you know what? It's too late for this year, but next year, you know, when these ones do, you know, Pirates of Penzance or whatever else where they might want dialogue, you'll have these ready. LOL. Yeah. I think another interesting topic is how do you feel about having Shakespeare monologues? Because I think that wades into very dangerous territory. I think people should have a Shakespeare monologue because I think there's so much Shakespeare opera. <laughs> so I think it really is good. But I agree with you on the idea that like it, it's difficult to do Shakespeare if you've never done it. There's like a Shakespeare company in every single city. I think it's worth paying someone to train you for this one monologue. I think it's worth learning Shakespeare and learning how to act Shakespeare, once again, with how many Shakespeare operas there are. Yeah, my big thing about Shakespeare that I've heard from so many people is that if you're going into an audition, don't pick a Shakespeare monologue unless you are actually going to coach it and rehearse it and put in a ton of work before you audition with it. Because Shakespeare is not the thing that you learn, you know, a week before your audition. Um, I think that if you do choose, which I agree with you, Jesse, like, I think it is important to try and tackle a Shakespeare monologue, but I definitely feel like that is the type of thing you should be taking to your acting coaches or in your acting classes and really workshopping because if you're just kind of going in cold without knowing, like, the intricacies of how to act and speak a Shakespeare monologue, it's just honestly probably going to be pretty underwhelming and is not going to serve you. It would be way better to do a monologue that's more contemporary or, you know, whatever dramatic that you have actually put a lot of time into than trying to choose a Shakespeare monologue because you think that that's very lofty. Yeah. You know? But I mean, I think that also goes back to something in general I'd like to say, because we talked a lot about what to do if you're in school. But if you're not in school and you you have the money to do so, because I realize financially prohibitive in this case but if you can hire somebody as an acting coach even for like two or three sessions for a monologue it is so worth it hire them when you're first starting the monologue meet with them again when you've memorized it and meet with them once more before you go out for these auditions it's it's really worth the getting someone who who does these monologues for every audition to see you and to work with you and teach you how to do the acting beats and it's just worth it Absolutely. Shakespeare and, and or if, not. You know, the cost is, <laughs> if the cost is difficult, you know, grab one of your acting friends and 
you know, give him a couple voice lessons in exchange for a couple of theater uh, yes. acting coaching lessons, you know? The good old artistic barter. Yeah, you know? Yeah. They probably have a, a song that they need to prepare for some sort of audition, or you can help them with some basic piano skills, and they can help you with your monologue. Oh, man. You know? this is, see, this is where it comes into handy, that thing we talk about in our self-advocacy episode, is if you do photography and you do headshots and things. Yeah. You can barter so much for some decent headshots. Heck yeah. So, you know, call on friends for help if, if you know, having, like, actually hiring an acting coach or teacher is just not really feasible. You know, we're all still pretty much stuck inside. So do some Zoom lessons and help your friends out, you know? And so last week, we're going to leave you off with, like, some simple tips and tricks as you look for and you prep all of your monologues. Don't put it off. Don't pick, put off picking out and practicing them. The longer you put it off, the worse it's going to be. Because even if you commit to one and you decide, like, oh, I didn't really love, love it, that's fine. You'll still do a great job with more time on a monologue you don't love than you will with little time on one you do. This is honestly, I think, the golden rule is just don't put it off. The more time you spend on your monologue as if, you know, it were an aria, the better it's going to be. And the less likely you're going to come off as just an opera singer who can't act. So, oh, yeah. (laughs) And none of us want to be that. So practice and don't put it off. I mean, but that's the other thing. Treat it like an aria. You know, do break it down, do write in your beats, do write in like underlying emotions or whatever else helps you get into that character. You know, think about the physicality, anything you would do to prep your arias, do for your monologues, because a lot of it is analogous because we prep the text of our arias like monologues. The only difference here is that your expression has to be fully inside of yourself without any musical qualities to help it. No, I was going to say learning monologues can only make your arias better, too. Absolutely. Yeah, and when you're pulling monologues, even if you just find it in an anthology, it's so important to read the whole play, as we've already discussed. It's going to give you so much more context about what your character is experiencing, why they're saying what they're saying, and what has happened immediately before and after, which will only make your monologue 10 times more strong. So definitely read the whole play. And don't choose monologues that are longer than what they ask for. Usually for auditions, they're only asking for a minute monologue. And if you do a five to seven minute monologue, they will hate you. They will. Like, really, really keep it within the time limit they ask. Yeah, and if you have a longer monologue that you're just simply loving, you know, just make some edits. Yeah. Condense it. I mean, that's just the thing, especially if there's, like, a combo of musical theater happening. Musical theater people do not mess around. There is a reason they have their 16 and 32 bar cuts. They will not have patience for you and your five-minute monologue. Absolutely. So really, really, really keep it to a minute. Because if you were sitting in auditions all day long, you also would be furious with people who were not respecting the the very clear limits they put up. And you don't want more than a minute. A minute is already a ton of work to do in a monologue. I know it does not seem like it from the outside, but once you start, trust me, one minute is enough. Absolutely. And it also feels so long when you're on stage doing a monologue. Like a minute feels like 10 years. One minute (laughs) speaking by yourself on a stage is the longest minute of your life. But practice the heck out of it. Practice it, practice it, practice it, practice it. And when you think you're done, come back and practice it again. Yes. And brush up on old monologues that you love. Don't just assume that all the choices that you've made and all the study and and decisions and coloring is still going to be there after a couple months, you know? Also, brush them up. Do it for friends because the word recall will zip out of your mind the minute you do it in front of somebody. Oh, yes. You have to do it for somebody. Or 
Oh, well, not even or, but also film yourself performing it. It sucks. Because it's so true. You can you can rehearse it and recite it as many times as you want as you're pacing around your living room. But the second somebody else is in the room with you, gone. Have you ever looked at this monologue before? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> like, this you know? monologue, I don't know her. I've never seen her before. In my life. <laughs> um... But yeah, and also it's just like arias where we think we're acting the heck out of it. And when you watch it back, you're like, do I have feelings? Am I an empty, emotionless shell? So it's pretty important for you to record yourself to see if you are actually giving enough outwardly for people to read you. And don't be afraid to look stupid. It's pretty rare that I've ever seen singers overact their monologues. I more so see people really close themselves off because we've lost one of our methods of expression, which is... And obviously vocalism, even in speaking, still counts, but we lose one of our qualities of expression when we're not singing, and we have to make up for that in other ways. Absolutely. They're still looking for opera singers when we do these auditions, so you still have to put just as much into it. So don't worry. I wouldn't say worry too much about being subtle when we switch, because for some reason, whenever I say straight theater, a lot of people are like, much more subtle, much more internal. Not for you. Maybe for other people, (laughs) not for you. Yes, very true. Yeah, and once again, take acting classes. That'll only help you, ever. Yeah, and not just for your monologues and everything. Nobody's ever looked at a singer who took acting classes and said, oh, wow, they really wasted their time. (laughs) True. Oh, gosh, yeah. (laughs) We love to hear it. Is there anything else? I have one more. And then just some advice for when you're having trouble making choices about your monologues. Go on YouTube, watch other people doing it, decide what you like and don't like about them, mimic them and see if it works well in your body. Like I said, copy and then dissect. That's a really good way to start learning something, especially if you don't. I mean, a lot of times, even if we have time to prep, we're not people who spend all of our time doing monologues. So it is okay to go on and copy people. Don't directly lift their exact performance and redo it because you will look stupid. (laughs) But do try out how they performed it. Look at their internal ideas of like what they were trying to get at and then t- pick pick the parts you like of it. That's how art works. Absolutely. And also perform for your friends. If you've got acting friends, perform your monologue to them and have them react to you as if they were in the scene. And that'll actually also give you a good amount of impetus to like, oh, you know what? If they ignored me here, what would I do to get what I want? Yeah, having a stand-in scene partner is really, really great practice because it will bring out emotions and force you to move. Yeah, very, very good. So if you're getting stuck on your monologues that you already have, having a friend sit in as a scene partner and then sitting in for them, once again, that exchange between friends is one of the most useful things we have uh, as artists. Absolutely. So that's our ramblings about monologues. Do you guys have any monologues coming up? for auditions let us know do you have any horror stories <laughs> around monologues let us know i do have a quick horror story for you i did a comedic monologue oh, no. for a musical audition in grad school and i loved it i thought i was killing it and i had made people laugh with this monologue before i believe it was from the importance of being earnest anyway she's really it's one of those i couldn't remember it now but she was being really shady at the younger woman in the mm-hmm. thing and she talks about her boobs and I I jokingly like gestured to my chest and then dropped it really quick because that's kind of the, to me, the inference there. I could not make that panel laugh to save my life. And I had to keep going in the monologue. And I was like, oh my God. Because these are also people I had to see for like the next year after that. (laughs) Oh no. I took a risk and it failed, but it was fine because I took another risk when I did my audition for Bohem and I nailed it. So, you know, 
<laughs> live and learn. But Heck, that yeah. is one of those audition moments where like I like I really did grab my chest and I was like, ooh, <laughs> I still think about that sometimes when I try to sleep. <sighs> fine, it's fine, it's fine, oh, it's fine, gosh. it's fine. And I'm not thinking about it. <laughs> it's not haunting me for the rest of my it's life. It's definitely not <laughs> the curse of my existence. Yeah, but that was yeah. one of the funnier monologue moments for me. Because <laughs> I was in grad school, too. I felt like I should have had it under control. Got him. So, guys, let us know what monologues you're loving, what plays you're loving, um, which monologues you will never perform again. <laughs> uh, we want to know it all. So our DMs are always open. We love to chat with you guys. So don't be shy. If you guys aren't already, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, now YouTube, and TikTok. Um, so many places to interact with us. Or just go check out our website. That's the hub where you can find all of our other links. That's opera-offstage.com. And we will see you guys next week with a spooky episode in honor of Halloween. So we'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.